0: Hello and welcome back for our 12th episode of Opportunity Thrives, where we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's secondary students. Through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers, we want to understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we can impact positive and lasting change. And we would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click in the podcast notes to leave us a review, to provide your input, or just send us questions. You can also reach out to us at info at Discussions about the fall are continuing to evolve with districts evaluating potential back-to-school scenarios to keep students safe while they learn. We all seem to be talking about our students these days, but very few people are talking to the students themselves. Today, we have an opportunity to talk with two students and understand their concerns, their strategies for success, and what they believe districts should consider when implementing long-term virtual learning programs. We are so excited to spend some time with our two guests to understand their perspective. These students are either enrolled in full-time virtual school or they take part-time online courses. Our first guest, Nicola Peck, is a senior in high school who recently landed a near-perfect SAT score. She will be graduating this summer from Apex Learning Virtual School, where she is a full-time virtual student. Nicola has a unique approach to learning that she credits to her father's influence. She's also adopted many strategies along the way that have made her a very successful online student. Nicola Peck has accepted a full tuition scholarship to Bellarmine University in Louisville, Kentucky this fall. We are very excited to have you with us today, Nicola. We also have Ryan Koo, a 16-year-old sophomore at San Marino High School in Los Angeles. Ryan grew up in Beijing, China, and immigrated to the United States with his mother when he was 10 years old. In January, he founded a nonprofit organization whose mission is to assist and support single parent families through donations, employment opportunities, and legislative reform. He recently led an initiative to support single parent families that have been impacted by COVID-19 with a care package drive. He also gathered individual donors, assembled baskets, that included personal protective equipment and delivered care packages to these single parent families in low income neighborhoods all throughout Los Angeles. Wow, very great to have you with us, Ryan. You both are clearly outstanding individuals who have already achieved tremendous success at such young ages. I'd love to start with you, Ryan. What inspired you to start your nonprofit organization and what has fueled your passion for activism?
1: Of course, Jason. And one of the first times I was ever involved with service was when I first came over to the States and joined the Cub Scouts, which was like the Boy Scouts, but for younger kids. And every once in a while, our troop would go down to the Midnight Mission downtown Los Angeles, and we would serve hot meals to the local homeless population there. And I just really loved doing that. I loved serving people and helping them. And I think it was just the prospect of uh, seeing that smile of gratitude that really made everything for me worthwhile. And yeah, Jason, you, you've mentioned about my passion for activism and uh, nonprofit management, and that really all started with my mom. Uh, just seeing the struggle and hardships that my mom faced as a single parent and also an immigrant really drove me to think, you know what can I do for these single parent families? how can I how can I help them? What can I do to make life just a little bit easier for them? And that's when I first got into activism and basically combined my passion for service to start my nonprofit there.
0: That's a pretty powerful and incredible combination. Thank you for what you do.
1: Of course. You're welcome.
0: Uh, Nicola, clearly education is important to you. So tell us a little bit why and how do you think your education will propel your success in the future?
2: Well, first and foremost, Jason, thank you so much for having me on today. But to answer your question, I think one of the most valuable things that education has endowed me with is an incredible work ethic. So before I had the privilege of doing school online, I was enrolled in a private high school in Chicago, Illinois, that had an incredibly challenging curriculum. Um, Kids I knew in the honors program could do four to six hours of work a day. So in that process of being in that environment, I really learned you know, how to manage my time effectively, how to make the most of my time, how to keep going and keep going even when You know, the pressure was mounting. So, I think that will be very valuable from a career perspective. But, secondly, and perhaps far more importantly, I think education has really given me the skills to be a productive member of our society. So, someone who can understand media bias, analyze arguments effectively, understand that, you know, many situations have a lot of nuance and complexity and therefore deserve nuanced and complex solutions. So, I am incredibly grateful for everything that I have learned. Um, And been able to absorb because of my education and hopefully it will allow me to benefit society in my future field or as an adult pursuing volunteer work.
0: Well, I can just say, as somebody who just listened to both of your responses, I'm very encouraged for our future if it's in the hands of of students like yours. So, um, Nicola, I'm going to ask you just to expand a little bit more. Would would you share a little bit more about your unique approach to learning and, and maybe what led to your decision to attend a virtual high school?
2: Okay, so as far as my decision to attend school online, I had some pretty extreme health issues. That started around my sophomore year. I developed a neurological disorder. And so starting in my sophomore year of high school, I developed some extreme health issues. And that led me to have to switch schools my sophomore year to another school junior year. And while both of my experiences at both of those schools was incredibly positive, and I'm so grateful for all of the wonderful friendships and that I formed there, my family decided to move senior year to Springfield, Illinois from Chicago. And the idea of having to integrate myself into another school where I would only have a short period of time before graduation to form lasting friendships just didn't seem very appealing. So that is why I ultimately decided to do school online. So while it wasn't necessarily my first choice, I will say that it has been a wonderful experience and has allowed me to build my skills in many different areas. So for example, I was really able to improve my writing through the um, AP Lit class at Apex, just because of the sheer number of um, essays that they had us complete and just the wonderful feedback that I received from all of my instructors. And that kind of leads me into my different approach to learning, which is that rather than prioritizing my grade and like where that can get me in life as far as university I could attend or whatever, I'm more interested in improving my ability to think about the world and develop personally and intellectually and ethically through my education rather than just saying, oh my gosh, I want to get an A and after I get that A, move on with life, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense, and it's so interesting that what you're talking about, what you've articulated, is so many of the college and career readiness skills that districts are trying to impart, and you you sort of inadvertently hit on all of those that, that uh, districts are trying to trying to focus on. So, I'm 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 really impressed and, and proud of you for making a, um, a a really challenging situation into the best of it. So. Ryan, from your perspective, I'd love to understand what motivated your decision to take online courses. So could you share just a a little bit more with us about your ultimate goal and why online learning will help you achieve it?
1: Yeah, of course, Jason. And in terms of education, I would say that my ultimate goal was to go on to a four-year university and then attend a master's of business administration. And, you know, one of my biggest goals in life was to expand my nonprofit and just to serve as many single parent families as I could, in order to, to achieve my goal of expanding my nonprofit and to go on to a university, I have to take as many challenging coursework in high school as possible. And our high school, which which is a public school, doesn't offer that many AP options. And my goal was to, was just to take uh, AP courses in an online platform and fulfill my challenging coursework that way. So that's how you know, I saw, I saw about Apex. My school counselor recommended Apex to me and loved it ever since.
0: Excellent. All
1: right. Well, we'll tell you what,
0: for both of you, um, could you each share if you felt that there was a learning curve when you were adjusting to online learning and maybe any strategies that you found to be helpful as you moved along that learning curve? Ryan, do you want to pick up maybe where you left off?
1: Yeah, of course. For me, I didn't think I had that much of a learning curve. Uh, My learning efficiency and ability during online school were pretty much consistent with how I learned if I were in a physical classroom. And I think part of the reason is that most of my teachers did a tremendous job with just providing us with the resources and guidance uh, that we needed to succeed in the class. And one teacher even included video lessons online. And that really helped me catch up to our standards and to complete the assignments. I didn't think that online learning for me was so much different from a traditional classroom. So I would say no learning curve for me.
0: Excellent. Nicola, what about you? Was there a learning curve as you migrated to online courses?
1: Oh,
2: Ryan, I wish I could empathize with that. And I, unfortunately, <laughs> not. So my biggest challenge was that I had always been self-motivated by my teachers who were physically there, you know, forming opinions about me. I desired their approval And that primarily drove my, you know, turning in my work on time and putting my best foot forward. So without that physical presence of somebody I wanted to impress, I really had to find my own self-motivation of why I wanted to do well in my coursework. And so I think that was my primary struggle was being as the best I possibly could without it boosting my ego in any way. Um, That kind of sounds terrible, but it's true. So that was my biggest challenge by far.
0: Yeah, that, that's certainly challenging. Um, uh, Ryan, how about you? Were, were there any specific challenges that you faced uh, at any point with online learning?
1: I did, yes. So one of the biggest challenge for me during online learning would really just be attending the classes on time or just attending classes at all. Because when you're at online school, time management becomes so hard for you, and you have to be really conscious about you know what time you're having classes. How much time are you going to el- a allot? For online assignments, you know, what time are your group discussions? When are your projects due? Because in a physical classroom, if school was a normal session, you would go into the school and you will kind of just go with the flow of a normal academic schedule. You know, you would go into class at nine, and you would come out maybe at 10. But with online school, you have to, you know, keep keep track of time, keep track of what time your your classes are and to get there on time. And I think that for the first few weeks of online school, it was just so different for me because I, I'm used to just, you know, going with the academic schedule. And, you know, for the first few weeks, I, I was like a few minutes late to every one of my classes. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges just to, just to keep conscious of what time I have classes and how much time am I willing to dedicate outside of class and also just to be very conscious about time management. In general,
0: I don't think you're alone in that, Nicola. Do you want to add on?
2: Yeah. Sorry. Also, I think another very challenging thing was just um, the number of distractions that exist when you're working from home. So your bed's right there, as as well as my Instagram account and my Netflix account, and just being really self-disciplined and being like, okay, we're not going to read this news article. We're going to, you know, read the lesson on wind currents instead. That required me to develop some self discipline that I hadn't really needed before, um, because in a regular traditional classroom, I was motivated, to, you know, to do things on time because there were penalties for not doing so. And when switching to Apex, where there's no set due dates beyond you know finishing the course by a specific date, I really have to find it within me to develop that discipline that will probably be very necessary for college.
1: Yeah, Nicola, I completely agree. You know, I have so much distractions around my room. And, you know, when you're in a physical classroom, that's that's sort of not possible. you you got a teacher in front of the class and uh, you're with your peers. But yeah, completely agree. There's too much distractions for you to just not concentrate on your learning. So, uh, you know, self-discipline do uh, come in part with that, I would say.
0: Did either of you have to change your workspace or, and, and, and included in that question would be things like your desktop on your computer. Um, did you p- change your physical space as well as your computing space? Um, Nicola, did, did you change yours?
2: Uh, I went to the extreme of extremes. In Springfield, we live in a pretty small apartment and both my mother and father were both working from home like before COVID started. So three of us were working from home simultaneously which was just an impossible situation because my, you know, desktop was like, you know, one foot from my bed. And so I ended up like moving and living with my grandparents for a while. And now I'm living with my aunt. So yes, I quite literally moved my entire life. So my um, computer could be like 10 feet away from my bed instead of one. <laughs> yeah, I literally moved. <laughs> so Wow, that
0: that's really interesting. But I, I think uh, it, it's it's a testament to you having those executive skills to identify that you needed a different environment to to be successful. Um, so, Ryan, what what about you? Did you did you change your your space or location or, or um, computer setup?
1: I did, but not as ex- not as extreme as yours, Nicola, for sure. My my laptop is it, it has a bit of technical troubles um, when I'm going online. So, typically, what would happen is if I go on a Zoom or Google Meet session. Sometimes the audio would not work. It happens with a plug in earphone as I'm speaking right now. So, what I had to do was contact Apple about like five or six times just to get that fixed. Yeah. And that took a good eight or nine hours out of my day just to, you know, fix my audio problems. So, I think that was the only, that was the only makeover I had in regard to my, in in my setup uh, for online learning. Not as extreme as yours, Nicola, but still, um, still took uh, a bit of work there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Eight hours is no joke when you're on hold trying to get your your, uh, technology fixed. Uh, I'm going to shift the focus of this question from your outward space to sort of the inward space when you're engaged with the content. Um, When you're in the courses, were there attributes like tutoring or support that you found helpful as you were guided through this process of online learning? Um, uh, Ryan, do you want to start with that?
1: Yes, of course. So there's two things that I really found helpful. And the first one is going to be video lessons. And the second one is going to be office hour sessions. So video lessons, pretty self-explanatory. You know, the teacher would post the lesson guide online, maybe have a projector, uh, you know, showing her doing the work. But office hour sessions is what I really found to be helpful during online learning. And, you know, these sessions are basically two to three hours a day where you could go into a teacher's Zoom link and you could ask her whatever questions you want. And I think the office hour session sort of really imitates the physical face-to-face, face-to-face conversation you would have with a teacher. And you could just ask her whatever you want, ranging from assignments, group projects, to upcoming quizzes and tests. And I think t- to have a space where you could ask teacher those questions instead of you know just a teacher posting, posting assignments online uh, is really helpful for you. Now for video lessons, uh, I only had one of my teachers do this, but I, I found video lessons to be very helpful. I'm, I'm a very, uh, I, I learn by hearing. So I think um, that, that was very helpful to me. And it sort of helped me visualize the work that she was doing and um, a lot of support for that as well. And going back to the office hour sessions, I think really helped me was in my English class. Our quarter four sort of focus was on poetry and especially old English poetry. And um, from my background, I'm not really good with poetry, with the language and the diction of uh, old English. So my English teacher had a office hour session where we could go in and we could ask her whatever questions regarding poetry uh, that we had. And that was really helpful for me because I could go in and I could clear up just any words or vocab or the meaning of any poetry with my English teacher And I think without that support, I wouldn't have excelled as much in poetry as I would have now.
0: Well, uh, as an adult reader of British literature and old English literature, I can tell you having a tutor, it would be very helpful in that it is challenging. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nicola, what about you? What type of supports and and, uh, tools did you use in order to help you if you were struggling with something?
2: So as a full-time student at APEX, I had access to um, a tutoring center, which I found very helpful for my um, more science and math oriented courses, especially those ones at the higher level. So in particular, there would often be questions that required you to do a lot of outside research and sources and then use those sources and to put all the info together and, you know, form the answer to some pretty difficult question. And conceptually, that can be incredibly challenging. And sometimes I could do it on my own, but sometimes you just need that extra boost in the little, in the right direction, like think about it this way or, you know, think approach it from this perspective and can you figure out the answer then? So um, the online tutoring center at Apex was incredibly helpful for those types of um, challenging math and science courses, but at Apex, um, the teachers are also always available um, to video chat and to provide you some help via email. So I remember the first essay I ever did for AP Lit this year, like I totally bombed, just was a deep nosedive down, like didn't understand how to write an AP essay essentially. And my teacher was incredibly kind. We had this video conference where she explained all of the necessary elements that I had to include and how to approach the writing of this essay. And she also let me rewrite it, which was nice. And after that, like I just felt so well equipped to you know, continue on in the course, and and there have been other situa- situations like that as well. So I've definitely had ample resources to um, help me on my journey of online learning for sure.
0: Boy, not, not only that, but you had uh, perseverance and, and grit and fortitude. And I think that's just incredibly impressive. All right. So this is the chance for you two to sort of manage upwards. And, uh, and there's a lot of administrators that listen to this podcast. And, and knowing that districts are making important decisions about the future of learning right now, what do you think that district leaders need to be thinking about when they implement an online learning pro- program? And what would you recommend that they consider? As well as prioritize, uh, Nicola. Do you want to start on that one?
2: Sure. So the last school I attended before Apex was a public school in Chicago, because um, I had I've attended three overall, and one of um, the freshmen that I know at that school, her primary complaint was that there just wasn't enough work. She averaged ten hours of work a week, which you know you could literally do in one day. <laughs> So I think just thinking about how much work you assign so it's not too overwhelming, but also that you're actually providing your kids a learning experience is very important. And as someone who wasn't in the public school district this year, because I was doing APEX, I think that's about the limit that I can um, comment on that simply because I don't have any direct um, experience. So.
0: All right. All right. And Ryan, what about you? From your perspective, if you had to give advice to district administrators about how to support students who are in an online environment, what would you say?
1: I go to a public school. So from my experience in online learning, I think there's three things that you know school districts can try to improve on when we move forward with online learning in August, potentially. And the first thing I would say is uniformity, right? So what this means is that I think school districts would do a really good job if they would keep everything uniformed. So maybe every teacher is required to do an hour video lesson a day. Maybe maybe every teacher has to post the assignments in a specific place so students can look it up. Maybe the tests and quizzes are going to be done a certain way so it's easy to access in a technological standpoint. So I I think the first thing uh, that districts need to work on is uniformity. Make sure the students know what they're doing uh, and make and just to clear up any confusion we would have. And the second thing I would say is to really, really use video lessons or just online in sync lessons uh, when we were learning. So video lessons or just you know or just recordings, I found it to be really helpful, and I think that it's the best imitation of an in-person physical classroom as you can get. You know, I think many other students will find it very helpful as well. So that's the second thing I I would like districts to improve on is to implement video lessons in the teacher's teaching plan. And the third thing I would say for districts to work on is to respond to students' email in a timely fashion. So typically, I have a lot of teachers who respond literally within five minutes to my emails, which is really awesome. But there are also teachers who take like weeks to respond for assignment that's due like five days ago. So... A timely email response policy is really helpful, especially when students don't get to meet face to face with teachers. You know, if teachers can respond within the hour or even intraday to clear up any confusion regarding maybe the maybe an assignment due the next day or maybe something else that was happening, or a technical difficulty. I think it would vastly improve the communication that students can have with their teachers. And I would say maybe a 12 to 24 hour email response policy, my nonprofit does this kind of policy and we found communication to be really really helpful there. Um, everyone know their tasks. We, we all know upcoming events. So maybe you know districts can require teachers to respond to students' email in a timely fashion so uh, we can have a better communication and just the students know what they're working with as we go forward.
0: I think that's great advice. And uh, I, I think administrators will definitely listen to what uh, you, you both have to say. Um, so as districts are also thinking about their return to fall scenarios at the end of summer, we hear a lot of state level and district level guidance that says with that uncertainty, you should plan for multiple contingencies, things like hybrid or half day or alternative schedules are completely virtual. Just from each of your perspective, um, is there a a, a return to fall solution that you think would be most effective for you or maybe one that you would prefer? Um, Nicola, do you want to start off with that?
2: Sure. Well, the first thing that I would say is that obviously maximizing the amount of time that kids can spend in the classroom is crucial because when you debate with other kids and And learn from them. You just develop personally because maybe one idea that they have makes you come up with your own idea. And, you know, without that, you know, kid on kid interaction, I think kids can get a little stagnant. It was like my, that's my primary issue with my online school experience was that I felt like I had less personal development because I was so isolated in my learning environment. Um, So you don't learn as many things culturally, intellectually, ethically, whatever. But to be more specific than that, I hate the idea of a half day simply because you have to get up every morning, every day. So I think the idea of doing like, you know, every other day or, you know, one day school, one day online or something more similar to that, I think many more kids would prefer just because if you're not going to have to be in school all the time, why make us get up every day at eight o'clock, if that makes sense. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that makes perfect sense, and I totally agree with you on on that, <laughs> Ryan. What about from your perspective?
1: Yeah, so if everything works out, and if it were up to me, I would opt out for a full school day, just return to normal. But obviously, with the current situation, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, and you know, almost July. So if we go, if we go one month towards August, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty as to whether we can return to school or not, and you know, I would, I would propose three solutions. Either it's a full school day, how would we return to pre-COVID days? Either we stay at home full time, like what we're doing now, or we could have an interval that's long enough so that we could prevent COVID s- spreading between students. Maybe the first week we have a group of students come to school, and then the second week we have another group of students come to, come to school, and the first group of students will stay home. And why I don't really support a day-to-day basis, right? So for example, what Nicola mentioned, the first group of students come to school the first day and the second day they stay home and the second day another group of students come and vice versa. So like sort of one day stay home, one day stay at school. I think that's just not enough to prevent the spread of COVID-19. I mean, even though there's not a lot of students, right? Half the students stay home, half the students come to school. There's still that risk associated when you're in a closed space in a classroom. So either we stay at home full time, either we come to school at full time, or we give enough time between intervals so that schools can do like a sanitation process before the other half of students come to campus. That's just why I think. And I think, you know, districts need to consider one, you know, how students best learn, which is, of course, in an online physical classroom for most of us who attend a public school. And also how do we keep students safe from COVID-19. I think when you consider both of those, an interval learning uh, might be best for them.
2: Very good. That's really good, Ryan. Yeah.
0: I agree. Um, Wow. Both of you, just exceptional thinking on on that part. And you both make such good, valid points on that. This has been an incredible episode of Opportunity Thrives. I just want to say thank you to both of you for joining us today. It's important that we include the voices of the students that we serve as we consider potential solutions for returning to school this fall. We truly appreciate you sharing your perspective with us and providing insightful feedback for all of us to consider as we move forward. We wish you all the best of luck in your future endeavors. And it is clear that we are speaking with a few of tomorrow's future leaders. So thank you again for your time today. If you're joining our podcast, we would love it if you would just take a minute out of your time and share your feedback on our show by providing a a review on either Spotify or iTunes or whatever platform you listen. And please reach out to us with questions or comments at info at opportunitythrives.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we will see you next time. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you, Nicola.
1: Thank you, Jason. really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you. It was a wonderful time today.